One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is Abu Dhabi, No Donuts for Leclerc. Hi, I'm your host, Richard Reddy, but my friends call me Spanners, so let's be friends. Welcome to the Abu Dhabi Race Review, and it was the season finale, and as with all great seasons, we were on the edge of our seat to see who would finish P2 in the Constructors' Championship. That's what we all tune in to see, right? And fair play. In such a lopsided season, we do look for any battle for entertainment, and that was as good as any. So coming up, we'll discuss Perez slagging off the stewards and more on this insert description here episode of Missed Apex Podcast. No, you didn't have time to write an intro. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. I'm joined in the shed by Matt Two Rumpets. Hey, Matt. Insert short, snappy remark here. I am kidding. If Ted can call it goal hanging, so can I. I'm sure Kyle's been calling it goal hanging for years. The thing yeah. where, you, where you stay out for a safety car. So patented Kyle Power. Yeah, it was weird. I had a gang of youths over and I heard that phrase coming from the F1 TV feed because they were watching it on the big TV. And I thought much behind me and I thought, wow, they stole that from us, didn't they? That was Kyle Fluence there. And we're also joined in the shed by handsome and ethnically ambiguous, but probably Greek podcaster, Alex Jeansy Van Jean. Hey, Alex. Hello, Spanners. Um, Abu Dhabi, the perfect place to end the season, said nobody ever. <laughs> that was um, the worst tweet I've ever seen from a unnamed broadcasting agency that said Abu Dhabi was the perfect place to end the season. I think Abu Dhabi is a okay place to end the season. It's a good season. middle of the season track. It's fine. Like, I have no problem with Abu Dhabi at all, apart from it being the season ender. Yeah, like I said, if that was race 10... No one would bat an eyelid. It's a perfectly fine track. 
no and yeah i miss brazil being the last circuit being the last circuit and uh having watched the race with my brother today who very rarely watches hasn't watched f1 in years was like i remember when when suzuka was the last race yeah and that was also a good <laughs> race to finish the season on but unfortunately abu dhabi despite its changes which has made it slightly better yeah i think so um still struggles to deliver but as we always do on missed apex we will find a way to tell you about the exciting things that did happen it was fine and those are the fine members of the panel now here's the exceptional mostly because he's still got youthful hope in his eyes it's chris stevens hey chris i'm allowed to say something now wonderful uh so look it may not have been the best race of the season, but look at it this way. We are one step closer to my F1 Corner Names Origins episode. Which we've decided is going to be our Christmas Day episode. Merry Christmas, yeah. everyone. I'm actually <laughs> looking forward to it. Out with us. I have been watching the WhatsApp conversations about Corner Names, and I think that actually will be a good episode to tune into. There was a hot debate. There, there was, was a hot debate about a couple of them. You cannot wait to hear that. And I've just learned that Chris does not like being bumped down to third in the order. Let's review the race. All right. Well, I guess we kind of start with that battle for, for second place in the Constructors. Now, I'll, I'll be completely honest, and I've just got in trouble with a, a person from the Aston Martin team on Twitter, because I tweeted that I think the driver championship is so much higher in value that even if it was kind of a P1 in the constructors and the driver's title had been decided, I think it would be kind of of passing interest. So I would say that every single team principal out there would choose the driver's title over the team's title. And I don't mean to like dig like too deep into this, but if you think of championships where the the winning driver didn't win the the championship uh, or didn't have the team win the championship as well, you barely heard about it. So 2021... Was the Mercedes team jumping up and down that they'd won the Constructors' Championship or were they thinking about the fact that the Drivers' Championship had just slipped away? Chris? Yeah, so definitely as fans, we put more emphasis on the Drivers' Championship because the drivers are the stars of the show. They are the heroes that we all uh, look up to, right? But I think as far as Formula 1 themselves are probably concerned, more from a sort of financial point of view and a regulation point of view, because now obviously it determines like the amount of wind tunnel time you get sure. as well, and it's where the prize money comes from. It is still quite important. The reason I think we put so much emphasis on it today is because of the type of season we've had. Yeah. You know, Max and Red Bull have obviously walked away with it, but it's not even like there was a battle for second place in the Drivers' Championship to be had, because after Vegas, the top three in the championship was signed and sealed. Right, so you you got to go in and and as a broadcaster, you got to go in and try and find something interesting to talk about, mm. and, yes, and that genuinely was the most interesting yeah. thing and on offer today. And in fairness, it was a good battle. Yeah, it was, was a really good battle, I, I, and I was fine with that, Matt. That I think the point is that we all had to kind of mentally invest in it. We had to go, no, no, I am now invested in it, therefore it's interesting, which is fine. Yeah, no, uh, there's a saying entirely unrelated to Formula One. If the law is on your side, bang on the law. If the facts are on your side, bang on the facts. Right. And if neither is on your side, bang on the table. And I feel like Formula One has lost the table too. And now they've just taken their <laughs> shoe off and they're hitting the floor with it. It was good. It went down to the last laps. And it does give us a framework to talk about the race. But in terms of genuine excitement, yeah, it, it's it's hard once the Drivers' Championship is wrapped up to sort of keep people's interests propelled forward. 
I don't, listen to Charles Leclerc's post-race team radio and tell me he didn't care about where oh, Ferrari finished. Now, this is really interesting because Leclerc seemed to really care and also mm. Russell seemed to really care, and uh, but Hamilton and Sainz less so. But uh, it, that's the first point wow. of interest, really, was George Russell going, I need to, how's Hamilton getting on? You know, it, and go, he's in his own battle. He's, he's playing with the hula hoops. Uh, you're on the swings. Just concentrate on the swings, George. And then when they didn't want to tell him, he got really upset with them. But it was very clear that Russell and Leclerc were very invested in that battle. I think because they were the lead drivers, mm. right? Yeah. So they probably had a, the bigger part to play in they, that. They had a speaking role, Hamilton didn't they? Would just play, they were playing for keeps, basically, right? All right, then. Well, let's dig into, then, the battle for second place in the Constructors, Matt. Uh, they went in, Mercedes, I think, with a four-point lead. Yeah, they did. And they went in with a significantly worse qualifying than Ferrari did. So already it was going to be interesting. And I don't know, do you want to start at the beginning of the race or the end of the race with this? Well, let's go in chronological order then. Well, the first and most interesting thing was the battle, I think, for the first position. I mean, after all, if Leclerc had managed to beat Verstappen to the end of the race, then, then it would have been very settled. But he seemed very... I don't know, I'm going to use the word timid, especially into turn six compared to lines that we would see other people take later on. Alex? He totally wimped out of every single attempt to overtake Max Verstappen. Um, it's like it's like he knew Max would let him have contact if he tried too hard. And he just wimped out of every single... He got a better start than Max. He technically got to first corner in line with Max, so could have... Um, not backed out but he decided to mm. back out um he then used um, and he then did the same thing at two other opportunities on that lap and like every single time on the edge of my seat going go on go on go on and then no he just let max have all the room in the world even though if the roles were reversed we know for a fact that max would have taken every single liberty that he possibly could um but the thing that was also very very clear was um leclerc definitely used all of his battery in that little fight, because but the following lap, Max pulled him, pulled away by a second and a half, and then stayed there for a bit. So I don't think Leclerc would have stayed ahead, but I also do think because of this fight for second in the championship, he didn't want to risk contact with Max. Exactly. That's what I was thinking as well. So we're just talking about Leclerc cares about this fight for Ferrari in the in the Constructors' Championship. And he knew that he would have been better off sitting in second and picking up those 18 points rather than losing a front wing, because then it would have been absolutely over for Ferrari straight away. Part of me did, did wish, though, that he would just return the favour of seven days ago when Max just pushed Charles completely off the, yeah. off the circuit yeah. and just, just give Max a bit of a taste of his own medicine because he was tentative nonetheless that opening lap thrilling stuff brilliant wheel-to-wheel racing yeah it was but it then settled the race down a lot to be the race between the better drivers and the very very bad drivers between the two teams i think and it was um i think it is one of the most interesting turns of strategy uh in a bad way that i have seen from ferrari in some time yeah with signs who started fairly well down the order and on the hard tire, neither of which was bad on its own. Yeah, so it's kind of like the the the, the other two drivers took themselves out of the battle. So sign well, signs strategy team seemed to take him out of the battle. So that that decision to go on whatever that strategy was 
you know, might have cost them 10 million in the constructors, but they, they would just seem to be nowhere with him. It, it's as if they, they thought it was definitely going to be a one-stop and that they could do that, that cheeky alternative with the hard tyre and then suddenly got to lap 25 or whatever and went, oh, we can't put a medium on now. I, th- I think you know, we're talking about goal hanging, right? Or mm. goal turning, whatever you want to call it. So they flat out said, we're waiting for a safety car. Yeah, that was eventually, that was near the end though. That was before the second stop. Mm. Well, there's the thing. If if the guys in the first stint were only getting, like, some of them got less than 15 laps out of the medium tyre at the start of the race. So maybe at the end of the race, you'd be able to extend that to maybe 20, maybe 25. You know, they, they, they left it. They were already were like way too late with the, uh, with the call. Mm. And the stupid thing is, I think, had they just committed to going to the medium early and forget like goal hanging and waiting for the safety car, because there's a, there's so much runoff. There's it's really only the last sector where something might happen where yeah. you'd need a safety car, right? So they they should have just committed. And the silly thing is, Sainz probably would have had the pace to get himself up ahead and and ahead of Hamilton as well because Hamilton was just absolutely nowhere in this race and and the you know with with Leclerc and Russell so close together where Hamilton and Sainz were was going to have a massive impact even if it was only for like 8th ninth, 10th it would have had a big impact in the championship fight Alex I think um also the issue that they uh, kind of had as well was the apart from the two red bulls that were that were quite a bit quicker than everybody else the whole field was really close on pace. I was watching a lot of the times and the whole way down the pack, everybody was really, really close on lap time. So, you know, it was that case of they thought, well, even if we put him on the same strategy as everybody else, he hasn't got the pace that much over pace over everybody else to 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 make a difference so maybe we have to hang hang around for a a safety car because that's the only opportunity we've got because we actually don't have the pace to work our way through the pack because lewis didn't um and the only one that did was Perez. yeah but again your your goal here is to score one more point than lewis in your chase to second in the championship and I mean, I'll be honest, looking at the strategies, I think Aston nailed it with Alonso. An aggro early two-stopper was the, was the best way around the track. And I just keep on thinking that maybe they were keeping signs there because they knew that the leaders were going to be pitting out behind him and that he could maybe increase the margin for Leclerc, hold Russell up, hold the McLarens up, make his life a little bit easier. But I went back and looked at his lap times in free air when he got onto fresh tires. And he was running within a tenth or so of everybody else's <laughs> lap times when he had that. So I don't think his Ferrari had that much less pace than Leclerc. And honestly, if they had pitted him around lap 18, he would have come out right behind Ocon, ahead of Gasly, and within five seconds of both Hamilton and Perez at that point, and been on the same strategy as them. Mm. So he he could have had a straight fight with Hamilton, who was going to go on and have front wing damage, for actual points that would have mattered in this championship. And it just seems like because they started him on the hard tires, they were committed to this alternate strategy and maybe making it a one-stop or getting a lucky safety car. And it just never really occurred to them to reevaluate. But let's let's consider some of the um, contributing factors in this, where FP1 was a write-off for 
like a third of the yeah. grid because they had their rookies in the car. And, you know, FP1 and FP3 are held during the day here, so the temperatures are not that representative. And then FP2, the only, like, real good session where you can get the good data, uh, was was completely curtailed with two very lengthy uh, red flags. RIP to Ferrari's, you know, spares bin and to their bank account for having to rebuild a car <laughs> twice for the second yeah, time in, in about a week. Uh, through no fault of of their own or science's own, really, because that oh, man. super aggressive yeah. bump. The, the, it was a drain cover and then a bump. So F one tracks are just specifically hate, hate Carlos Sainz. Wow! If I was Carlos Sainz, I would be starting to take that personally. Okay, so um, let's circle back to Hamilton and how he took him back, took himself out of this this fight at the front um, by focusing on the the front two first. So. I think it's fair to say, like, both of the guys up front, Russell and Leclerc, were having storming, storming races, Alex. And I know you're a, you're a Russell fan, and you have to admit it's been, it's been a little bit of a difficult and somewhat humbling, to use your words, I think, season for Russell when he's realised what he's up against. But the last two races, race pace has been bang on. Yeah, I think he... I think after last season, he kind of believed his own hype and was <laughs> came in you know, to this season with chest puffed out and was like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stick it to stick it to my teammate again and, and prove that I've arrived. And, um, then it didn't go that way. And he's had incident after incident, which doesn't help throughout the season. And I'm just glad that he's finished the season on a high with a smile on his face because he didn't, I say he didn't put a foot wrong today. It took him a really awkwardly long amount of time to get past Piastri. Um, it took him three or four laps and three or four attempts at that um, that new left hander at the end of the at the end of the long straight, um, where he just he he didn't want to commit to turning in because I don't think he quite knew where Piastri was, so then ended up just running wide each time until he eventually was enough ahead to slam himself in front of him. Um, but it was just it just showed a bit of indecisiveness, but again a bit like Leclerc on Max at the beginning just did not want to have any contact because he wanted to make sure that Merck got that P2 in the championship and he'll feel good that he had a good day and that he helped Merck get that P2 after he probably could have done more to help the team throughout the season. So this is where, again, we've seen the impact of this big constructors fight affecting how the drivers are going about their wheel-to-wheel uh, racing yeah and is there a is there an argument as well like how much has russell actually raced piastri this season because i i can't think of too many instances and it's probably also a case of i don't have that full faith and confidence in piastri yet so i need to leave him an extra half a car's width, extra car width. I'm sure, you know, Alex, you and I, you, I race as well. When you've come up against someone that you don't know, <laughs> you would leave them a bit more space. Or, or, if you find or, someone you recognise and you've had good battles with, you can push them a little bit more. Or if you, if you see Van Jean anywhere near you, just park it on the side and just wait just for it. Wait for get it out of there. <laughs> I, I, jokes aside, we do, I do often, if I'm racing someone who I don't know and it's a, it's a, it's either a lobby or, for example, in the new series that I'm racing in, I will 
make sure I'm giving that little bit of extra room. If I'm racing alongside someone I can trust, a Kyle, a Danny, as well, I say a Spanners, but I'll get to that one in a second, um, or some of the other guys <laughs> that I race with in my series, I know I can race them close and hard and I can, you know, we can, we can pinch each other because we know how each other's going to react. Or you do what me and Spanners did at Imola once, got so scared of hitting each other that we literally took to other sides of the track to avoid hitting each other. There'd been too many, ar- well. there'd been too many arguments. We, we, we couldn't risk <laughs> yet another crash. Even on a sim, uh, but yeah, but getting to back to to Russell, so yeah, so struggling a little bit to get past Piastri, but that's not really the weakness of Russell. Like we know he can be aggressive. The weakness has been race pace, and when he was trying to get past Norris, I think at the beginning and Piastri, you, you went, oh, is he burning through his tires? Is he basically pulling a Russell mat? And that was the worry. But but on this occasion, he had plenty of pace. You know, even going towards the end of the race. Yeah, no, you you look at his car and you think, oh, well, the Mercedes had some genuine pace there. Like he was on for third or fourth, depending upon uh, Perez's abilities. Um, But I need to point out here that for all the praise we were currently heaping Uh on Russell, and he did a good (laughs) job of of, uh, worming Piastri into a mistake so he could get round him. The thing that was super critical was the pit stop where he went in behind Norris and emerged ahead of him. And lots of credit is also oh. going to have to go to the Mercedes pit stop department for making that happen because he gained a place in the pits. Uh, no, I think, yeah, you might have missed no. something there. Uh, Alex? Lando's, Lando's pit stop was five and a half seconds long. Yeah, th- yeah, he, he didn't... He- <laughs> He like, he... I'm not praising Mercedes <laughs> at all for their pit stops. They were, again, <laughs> mediocre at absolute best. So Norris had something like he couldn't get into neutral. A and sticky so was, rear wheel. Yeah, yeah. so it was, it was bouncing oh, okay. around, I think, on there. So, yeah, that was a little bit of a, of a gift. But, gosh, I'm trying to praise Russell because people say I don't like Russell. And it's true. I'm not a fan of his. So I was trying to give the most generous possible interpretation. Look, if, if I was a George Russell like coach or whatever, the one thing I would want to see stop is him disappearing at the end of stints. So I, I don't know quite how the conditions were treating the cars, but like Alex said, you know, if you were watching the lap times, everyone was like on it. And and watching this, the similar stints between him and Hamilton, he was consistently a couple of tenths faster than Hamilton through the stints, despite Toto Wolf coming on and going, Lewis, you are the fastest driver that anyone has ever seen. I think you can win from here. And uh, it wasn't true. It wasn't true. Yeah. You know when Lewis is having a bad down race when Toto has to come on. But Lewis has been miserable all weekend. He has not been happy since stepping in that car in FP2. Um, And he just couldn't get it to work after qualifying, after dropping out at the end of uh, dropping out of Q2. um, He was like, there's something wrong with his car. And they were instantly taking the car apart to find what was wrong with it. I didn't hear much of the pre-show, so I don't know if there was anything wrong with the car. Um, but but Lewis just wasn't there this weekend and was obviously below George in performance. And despite how much I like George, and I do think George has a really positive future going forward with Mercedes and in F1, um, I think if Lewis hadn't have had the gremlins that he had this week, I still think we would have seen a different end result. I think it's more than fair to say this is a very well-managed race from Russell and that, in fact, um, and that's what has been often missing from his arsenal of Formula One driver tools. As far as Lewis goes, well, 
he did have the damage from running into the back of Gasly, about which I, I assume we will talk eventually. So that would have slowed him down some. But I have a theory, especially when they started taking his car apart. It just occurred to me, and this has always been a classic driver's excuse, but about half the time it's a reality. I do wonder if he hasn't just cracked the chassis ever so slightly. And that's causing the unhappiness with the performance of the car, because that's exactly the kind of weird, it works sometimes, it doesn't work other times kind of behavior you'd get when you lose some of the uh, structural stiffness of the chassis with a, with a crack in it. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to hear Mercedes quietly come out and say that, perhaps even if it wasn't true, just to make him feel better. <laughs> just to make you feel better. But I, I, I noticed... You know, on the formation lap, you can't tell a lot, but he was really kind of ragging the car on the formation lap. He did a four-wheel slide to get into his grid box, and all throughout that Grand Prix, you could just see the rear was not planted. And it was really uncharacteristic to see what was a fairly textbook manoeuvre past Sonoda, ending him, again, half losing the rear. Chris? I mean, I'll be, I'll be quite surprised if... They find a crack and lose the chassis because they're going to put it in the grinder. They, they, well, they, I was <laughs> melted I tweet, it already. I did tweet the other day that Lewis isn't going to keep any pictures of the W14 on his desk anytime soon. Uh, but you know, these things get stripped down pretty regularly. It's not like in different series, you know, for example, where say like in Formula E, for example, where the cars are usually either at a racetrack or they're in transit very few opportunities for them to actually get the cars back to the um back to the garage so the only thing that we, it could have been is if something happened in vegas for example because that car yeah. wouldn't have been back to the factory so, since okay since so the, the only thing that i would uh obviously like oh your fanboys just making excuses for him it is a bit yeah. odd that he's been out in q3 <laughs> and russell has been not out in q3 even though his qualifying has been rough but it could be a number of factors it could be a cracked chassis. It could be his his heart's not in it because it's been a, an awful season. It could be a terminal dip of form. We don't know. But all I'll say is that as a Lewis Hamilton fan, his recent form, the amount of times he's making contact with other cars and these poor qualifying, it, it does as a, as a again as a fan, not a hater, make me go: <laughs> Is I is this ever going to recover? Also, now go on. Sorry. Also, his defending of Perez into at the end of the, at the end of the first straight was horrendous. <laughs> Perez was Perez was, was was pulling up the inside. Lewis very easily could have stayed where he was, and Perez wouldn't have been able to nick up the inside of him. And then he opened up the corner for him, and Perez just went, oh, "All right, yeah. thanks, Lewis," and dove through. And it's just like it's not. He's there's there's. There's something he's not happy about. I hope yeah. it's just the car, and I hope next year they have a better car. I mean, the chance of them having a better car than Red Bull is slim to none, in my opinion. But um, if they can have a, right. a better car they can actually race with next season, we might see a happier Lewis. Or if we don't, will Lewis just go, I've had enough. Yeah. I'm Maybe. out of it. It's, possible. it's around the time, Chris. Well, that's the thing. When you have such a difficult car, you always get these big dips in, in form. And... McLaren, Ferrari, and Mercedes have all had races this season where they just didn't turn up. Even like even if you ignore McLaren's woeful start to this season, they've all had races where they just don't turn up. And that's the difference between them and like a Max and a Red Bull, where they're just there every single weekend while everyone mm. else just is busy taking points off each other for second place. If Spanners, in that list of excuses <laughs> that you came up with, 
one of them is his heart's just not in it. I find that to be a pretty pitiful excuse it, it, for it, a Formula it, One driver to not be on their game. It happens. It happens. I know it, it does, but 20, it's, it's, it's not 20, a good excuse. 2011, 2009, I think towards the end of 2009. 2011 was a bit different. I think 20, 20, 2011 was a lot of personal stuff going on. Mm-hmm. 2009, he was one of the top scorers in the final half of the season. Yeah, but it, finally well, sorted he... the car out. But I think it's also he's and 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 speaking from experience here, he's nearly forty. Yeah, no. you care you care a hell of a lot less about stuff yeah. when you're nearly forty. So just just sub sub note there, two thousand and nine. I was sort of talking about um, incidents. I think he, there was quite a lot of clashes with with Massa. I think there was residuals going on there, but I might be misremembering. It was an awful long time ago. But getting back up to the front, Matt, did Leclerc have a chance with his clever scheme of marching up and down the grid order? That's um, a Monty Python, Monty Python reference. Of, of winning? No. Of, of helping Ferrari win second in the championship. Well, yes, yeah, yes that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, no, he did. And, and for all we are quick to talk about how Sainz is although not the fastest driver at many occasions, very strategically astute. When informed about Perez's penalty and uh, lap times, Leclerc was very, very on it and figuring out that he could help Perez, maybe help the team win second, and in fact still maintain the actual second place on the podium for himself. All he had to do was get Perez five seconds up the road from Russell while himself being slightly less than five seconds yeah. up the road. And it made the whole end of the race so much more fun to watch. So slightly. So if there hadn't have been the penalty, I wonder whose yeah. fault that penalty was, though. Okay, so if there hadn't have been a penalty, it's somewhat easier. He just prevents Perez overtaking and just hopes that he can have a Perez sandwich there and Russell's two points back. I don't know. If, does, is that enough? Does that make the difference? The drop down from third to, to fourth? Perhaps we could do some maths. But that would have been the aim. With that five-second yeah. penalty, it suddenly gets really complicated because his only chance was to let Perez through, drop 4.8 seconds behind Perez, and have Russell 5.2 seconds behind Perez so that he was ahead of Perez after the penalty and, and Russell remained behind. And the thing, you know, we, we've talked in the past about mental capacity and how little of a driver's mental capacity is actually spent on the driving because it's just so second nature to them. Sure. The majority of their mental capacity is used up on strategy and thinking about who they're racing and how they can, you know, how they as the driver can make a, a difference in in the race outside of their own driving, right? So that's just another example of Leclerc having his brain completely engaged and thinking of these creative ways to try and help Ferrari get second in the championship. However, I feel like it was in, it was it was incredibly creative, but I, I just think it, was it wasn't entirely realistic because if you give a charging Russell the opportunity uh, with the RS round there, the way he the way Leclerc would have been holding things up, I think I think he probably might have actually got past uh, because passing was very much possible today. Um, so I think it was optimistic, <laughs> and I think <laughs> the fact that Russell didn't get anywhere near him in the end, and they were still within, stopped Leclerc looking a little bit silly because it very much could have been because George could have got him, and then Leclerc would have looked stupid. 
Well, it's it's like Leclerc was in a dogfight over the English Channel, and his pit crew were just having a cigarette, playing a game of gin rummy uh, back at the hangar. You know, he's there going, "Okay, chaps, I- I've got bogies all over me. Tell me, tell me what to do. There's one on my six. Should I drop back? Should I? Should I? Should I bang to the left?" And they're going, "Yeah, yeah. Good luck, Charles. Yeah, yeah. We'll see you when we get back. Chocks up. Good luck. Best of British." By the way, I want to pay a bit of respect on the um, uh, the mental game of being able to not focus on driving the car and focus on one of the things. Um, from experience um, in the in the karting I'm doing at the moment, I'm trying to drive the car as fast as possible and think about what's what I want to change setup wise on it. Yep. And especially when you're racing with other people, it's impossible. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea how they do it at 200 miles an hour while flipping switches. On their thing, I could barely got enough time to look at the rev count to check if I'm hitting the right amount of revs. <laughs> okay, um, um, so ed- editor's note: editor's note in the Mist Apex universe, karting and sim racing is exactly as weighted in importance and experience as F1 driving. And don't email us because we won't change on that. What I'm saying is, I'm lace- I'm I'm in something that's way, way, way yeah. low, low, low down the order. And I find it difficult as a mere mortal. <laughs> and these guys are incredible. They're quite good at driving race cars. I agree. It's amazing. Chris Stevens. Uh, Alex, I have so much respect. Alex, do you do you kart? You never mention well, well, it. Oh, sorry. I don't know if I mentioned it once, but yeah, I've been doing some karting. Oh, Chris, do you do, do you... any commentary? Because you haven't mentioned that either. Right. Okay, come on. Let's get, let's get on with it. Okay. So a little unrealistic from, from Charles Leclerc. But yeah, I, I appreciate that they kept that battle alive between the two of them, even though their pit crews were just kind of like, Guys, don't worry about it. But I, I do wonder when I was talking about the how important people rate that those constructors' places. If Ferrari could have chosen between the risk of a, a, a coming together between Leclerc and Russell, or just settling for third, they'd have probably just said settle for third. You know, we'll save the repair bill. Like I, I literally think that as much as they were trying to build that up, it's pretty low down on the priorities. Like if you just said wrecked car or P two. They'd have gone, oh, just just take P3. Don't worry about it. But also, they now get more CFD and wind tunnel time. Um, and for teams like Mercedes and Ferrari, I just feel like that's worth more than six, ten million, whatever it is, to, to, to those teams to just pile that into CFD. We saw what McLaren were able to do with all their extra wind tunnel time and, and, and CFD by being lower down the order and how far it propelled them up up the grid i was sat with somebody today watching the race who's from red bull and he said i would much rather be third amazing the, the thing is the finishing higher up in the construct is not just about the, the the prize money there's so much else that comes with it you've got sponsors to please you've got uh you know results bonuses and it's it's there's so many other connotations that come with finishing higher up in the championship when you compare that to a certain percentage loss of your wind tunnel time or whatever it is there are tools to supplement that and the teams are getting more and more creative in getting around those. And we've seen, you know, with Red Bull this year that, you know, they had a, a, a bigger reduction uh, as a result of the, uh, the cost cap infringement from the previous season. And it seems to have barely made any difference in terms of, mm. you know, the, the <laughs> practical sense. I mean, everyone in the team will tell you, Oh, we're, we're running around. We've got no idea how to build an F1 car anymore because we've lost this 10% of wind tunnel. <laughs> they time. did a but good job of the that. Reality, didn't they? The, the reality is they've still got the fastest car in the world that hasn't been updated since July or August or whenever. Right. So, you know, they're, they're still going to have the fastest car at the start of next season, or certainly one of the fastest cars. 
even if they're getting the least amount of wind tunnel time. I don't, I don't think that the P2, P3 constructors will have affected the party that the various teams will, have, will be having tonight in Abu Dhabi. I think they, they're both having exactly the same party that they planned and nobody had P2 in the championship, constructors' championship T-shirts underneath, printed off and underneath their team kit, ready to pull off and swing in the air. The um, this is a slight sidetrack, but RIP to all the Frederick Vesti F2 Champion 2023 T-shirts that you can now buy for a dollar on eBay. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, and because um, <laughs> who, who won? Teo Pocher, the, the F2, he won that. And so, what will his reward be? Presumably, jumping straight into an F1 seat and glory, or sort of looking awkward on TV next oh, season? No. Well, Lucky McDonald's over summer. <laughs> there is a seat for him, but it's in the garage. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, I think there's at least one seat that is going to be available, but I guess we'll get to that in a bit. Not for him. I hate it when YouTubers say, we'll get to that in a bit, and then they don't get to it. But we'll get to that in a bit. (laughs) Of course, uh, Max Verstappen clinched victory in impressive form as he has been doing all season, and he has wrapped up one of the most dominant championships that I have ever seen. And obviously a lot of that will be down to the car, but he hasn't put a foot wrong either. And he's utterly dominated his teammate. When I looked at the list of victories, I was surprised that he's won all but three. Because at the beginning of the season, there was so much talk of, will Perez do it? Could he do it this time? That in my head, in my head canon, Perez had won like four at least. And, and was on it. But you know, he's won two. Perez won two and signs one in Singapore, Chris. And that's... That's it. Verstappen has won the rest at a canter. Yeah, so when you think about it as well, in, in Jeddah, he lost because of the drive shaft that broke in qualifying, which put him like 15th on the grid. And then I think in Baku, there was like a poorly timed safety car for him. Like Perez got to have the cheap stop, so he was able to, to jump him there. The only time that Rebel genuinely have not had the pace is uh, during Singapore when there was, yeah, this weird setup or the way it was riding the specific bumps in Singapore. And um, and what's what's amazing is even when, like, on a Friday or even a Saturday morning, like, in, in this weekend in Abu Dhabi, oh, the car's just not working. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> yeah. terrible. Yeah. And they turn it around for qualifying. It's absolutely unbelievable to the point where every F1 fan Spotify rap to the end of this year is just going to be the Dutch and Austrian national anthems. It's been absolutely incredible and you know i don't think it's just the most dominant season that we have seen it's the most dominant season that anyone has seen oh, he's yeah. shattered every single record in the book this season right yeah so uh, uh, the, so- the, the, the records i'm not going to get carried away with them because it's, no, 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 it's no. a long season it's higher points than say 20 years ago so all this chat of like oh but he's won the mo-. obviously if you're in a long season and it's that dominant you're gonna pick up more than nigel mansell in 1982 when they had eight races all around the same hay belt. And then for six points a win. Yeah, as for well. six, exactly. For right? six points. But but what I will say is because obviously I've had I've had quibs on online. I don't even know if that's the right word, but people online say, when am I gonna say that the R B nineteen is a more dominant car than say the W twelve or the W eleven, whichever one it was, right? I would still say that Max has dominated this season more than I would say Red Bull has dominated this season. Even with Perez second in the championship, there's been far too many races where Perez just doesn't show up and he's squabbling with cars. He shouldn't be anywhere near 
whereas Max is constantly <laughs> Alex up at the front of the field. Go on, mate. I, I have a reason why Perez hasn't been there because Perez isn't good enough to be there. Perez is a midfield driver. I'm sorry, Spanners. Perez is a midfield driver who occasionally has a good race. And that has been absolutely shown by how much Max oh, has got a kinder way you could have absolutely trounced him this season it's got nothing to do with the dominance of that car the dominance of that car is phenomenal and you put any of the other top five six drivers in there um and they're having a much closer battle with max i'm not saying they beat max but they're having a much closer battle with max um but perez has made max look more dominant the fact that the the thing that gives you how dominant that car is is how poor perez has been and is still second yeah. by a fair way. I mean, that's a great point. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, but, because, because Perez know, I, hasn't I, I, just it, been slow. Perez has actually been poor. So, like, he's raced yeah. poorly. He's been a wrecking ball. He went through a series of races where he just couldn't not hit um, another car. And he's performed poorly consistently in qualifying. I think, uh, hasn't he done something daft like in 17 qualifyings, he's made the top five once? Some ridiculous statistic like that. His qualifying has been woeful, and yeah. yet he still managed to get up into second place in the constructors comfortably in the end. I think that is a great point, Vanjie. I think that says more about how poor Ferrari and Mercedes and McLaren have been, really, more than more than Perez, because at least his car was good throughout the entire season, whereas everyone else was scrabbing away at each other the entire but that was a great year. fight. But that was a great fight. You know, um, I mean, I know you've done the math, but a season, a season without this season without Red Bull, is a classic season. Yeah. Because they have been stealing points off of each other at every single race. You know, I think again without Red Bull, I think Alonso's won like six races yeah. this season. I think Chris, you know, has, Chris has got the stats. Come I'm, on, let let, let Chris. You got, you got the stats. No, 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 I, won't, no. I won't steal your thunder. No, 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 no. We're not going to do the stats on this episode. Oh, this we'll is going to be another oh, okay. off-season special. Give us the highlights. <laughs> yeah, we, we mustn't risk this becoming you... not a race review. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What I will say is it would have been a, a thrilling title showdown between two of the greatest drivers to ever adorn this sport, right? That's what we could have had without Red Bull dominance uh, this year. Uh, but you know, going, you know, so just going back to <laughs> to Perez real quick, I know I've said this on the show before, but genuinely, Red Bull needs to anticipate that McLaren, Ferrari, and and uh, Mercedes are going to be They're hot on their heels. They um, need to assume worst-case scenario, and in worst-case scenario, Perez does not help them bring home the Constructors' Championship next year. Shush, stop it before they listen to you and sack him. Go, Checo, <laughs> 24. Uh, Matt? And of course, we know the Constructors is the only championship that matters to everybody. Horner has out and out and set. Horner has out yeah. and out set. I would pick the, the driver's championship. But my own personal statistical um, annoyance with the one all but the most statistically successful ever is that I still believe that that 1988 McLaren MP44 was the best and most dominant car we have ever seen. They, too, only lost a single race, and that required backmarkers to drive into them to happen. Whereas at Singapore, we did see genuinely a Red mm. Bull that was not competitive enough to win. Okay, so things that happened after I was seven years old, if I, if I think uh, about sorry, it. Sorry, I just, it, someone had to say it, yeah. and as the oldest person on the podcast. By a long way. Like it should be yeah. Yeah, by, by some very way. Very long way. 
I think the difference of back then, and obviously Matt's talking about the MP44, um, the difference back then is you had such a massive gulf between teams, yeah. finances, and abilities, and staff. You had privateer teams who turn up on a shoestring to just put an F1 car on the circuit, and they buy all the parts from somewhere else. You're not comparing. You can't compare 1980, what was it, 1989, with... with 88. 88, sorry. You can't compare 1988 F1 with today's F1. Today's F1 is full of professional teams. Even Williams actually do results. Don't now, even now. Williams. Don't even, even Williams. Williams. Don't do that. <laughs> don't. Um, you, you have a whole bunch of professional teams, and they've still trounced them all. That's how dominant that car has been. So statistically, and just the way the sport is, Red Bull have done an amazing job this season. Their number one driver, Max Verstappen, has also done an incredible job. He's not He's not put a foot wrong. He's not had a spin. He's not made a mistake. He has been flawless and he has been a champion this year and has driven the car that he has been given. So you can't, you know, you can say just the car, blah, blah. You do the same thing with Lewis, same thing with Michael Schumacher. But at the end of the day, Perez had the same equipment. And if he was good enough, Perez could have done the same job as Max. But, but he's not as good as Max. But Perez. Max is one of the best. Max is one of the best drivers. And that's why Max got the performance out of that great car. Well, we don't know what Perez could have done if he'd not been turned in on by Lando Norris. Whose fault is it? <laughs> Here we go. All right. I have to admit, I, I'm lost on this one. So Sergio Perez gets a penalty for causing a collision with Lando Norris. And uh, look... <laughs> I'm in a terrible position here because you guys know that I'm not particularly a Norris fan and that I am a Perez fan. And then so in that in that initial phase of contact, my brain goes, how is this Norris's fault? Not whose fault is it, but how how is this Norris's fault? And how how many races should he be disqualified for is where my brain goes straight away. But legitimately, I, I think if you painted those cars white under the rules that I have been told are now valid in Formula One, I am sure I would give the penalty to the outside car for, for, for tucking in and not waiting for the space to appear on the inside. Somebody tell me why I'm wrong and why he got a penalty. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If I had only seen the sort of side-on outside view, 
I might have given it to Perez. However, the absolutely damning footage is the onboard from Lando Norris, which is Lando doesn't turn, doesn't turn, doesn't turn. And as he starts to turn, you just get a smack in the side of the car from Perez, who's completely and utterly missed the corner. And Lando would not have been able to make the corner if he hadn't have turned in. Genuine question then, genuine question. So Lando wouldn't have been able to make the corner if he hadn't have turned in. But my understanding was... He's not entitled to room if he's not ahead at the apex. And it is a bit hard to see, and it's hard to define where the apex is. But Alex, let me ask you this. If you assume that Perez, because he was going too quick, got to the apex first, surely Norris now under these rules isn't actually entitled to room on track, and he has to back off or go off. You still have to allow room for the other car to exist. I don't think, you know, I don't think you do. That's that's the rules, Chris. Am I being mad here? The rules that we've been told exist, and there's been countless videos made out of it, is that if you're ahead by the apex as the inside, uh, inside car, you no longer have to leave room on the exit. Which we all know is a bogus... Yeah, it's rubbish. Like, in, in general, right, this is absolutely incorrect, right? So I, I can't speak for what Formula One defines as what now and who, which stewards they had, who was the, you know, clerk of the course on this one, who did they have specifically mm. making those decisions in this particular race? All I can do is comment it on, as, as I have seen it in my experience, and, you know, Checo straight away got on the radio, well, they got a penalty. And I was like, well, it helps when you don't cream into the side of another car, right? Because you, you may well say, oh, well, he was level with him at the apex. He's only level with him at the apex because he is massively okay. But you guys are talking about common sense rules and how the rules should be applied. I'm talking about how the rules, as F1 has stated them, Matt. Tell me, I'm not going mad. The rules, as Formula One have stated them, back up Perez, and I can see why Perez is suddenly surprised that the rules don't apply to him now. Well, they back him up to a point, but I think the problem is that the rules you're wanting to apply here. Don't the the situation we saw don't actually fit what happened on track because what we're all thinking of is that classic where the inside car has their front wheels ahead right when you get to the apex and then just gradually drives towards the outside of the track and the outside car has to comply with that because they're already behind. But here, and and this is interesting because I actually rewatched this with my gang of youths. And on first <laughs> viewing, someone said, "Oh, that was Perez's fault." And on second viewing, two others said, "Oh no, 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 that was that was in fact Nora's fault." So they had their very own cute little whose fault is it about it. Uh-huh. But when I watched it back myself, the things that struck me about it were one that Norris really was pretty much ahead through the entire entry into the apex. He was ahead of. Perez. Right, but the apex is all and, that matters, according to the stupid rules that exist. And secondly, and I think this is ultimately what did Perez, is he starts to turn in, and then he opens the steering, and then he, then he starts, then he closes it again. And I think it was that combination mm. of them basically being 50-50 at the apex, plus the fact that it was Perez who opened the steering. Mm-hmm. That 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 kind of that kind of did him in for being at fault there. So if this was 2021 and that exact same situation happened, I've absolutely no problem with that being Paris's fault because you go, yeah, that's that makes sense. But I think what is being highlighted here is the they got themselves in a muddle by basically trying to legitimise the Hamilton slash Verstappen manoeuvre that's been happening for years. This just run them out wide. So instead of clamping down on that, they've they've made it a rule that it's allowed. 
And then what we've seen is the battles are more boring now that that's called kind of genuinely mandated. But I think, Matt, if if um, Perez had not made the attempt to steer in and fight his understeer and had just driven to the end of the track, Norris would have had no option to, but to drive off. And it would be no different to, to any of those manoeuvres that Verstappen's pulled off in recent history. Well, I mean, the classic is Rosberg, Hamilton and Austria, no? Rosberg sure, just basically yes. drives to the edge of the track and doesn't turn in. And mm. Hamilton on the outside thinks he's going to turn in. It turns in and hits him. And it's not Rosberg's fault. Yeah, if you were on the inside, the outside person cannot turn into you. But once you've both started your turn in, you can't then open the steering and hit them at the apex. Oh, okay, that would, might be. Would be the conclusion. You've got, to, you've got to make an attempt to actually make the corner. To just go, no, I'm just going to run you off until you can't turn anymore. It's just, it's just not racing, and it's it not. really it's sucks. Really crap. And, I, yeah. and I hate it. Me too. Because that's the whole thing. The whole reason the battle went on for so long between Leclerc and Max in the first cup, in the first lap was because Leclerc didn't do that to Max. You know, he had every opportunity to do exactly that to Max, but no, he didn't. He gave the room, and the fight was great, and we had a battle for basically the whole lap. Mm. And I missed that. I really, really want that to come back, and I don't. Luckily, it seems to only be the Red Bull cars that seem to play this game, um, and it and they kind of generally get away with it, except for today they didn't, um, and Max didn't get away with it last week. So maybe the tide well, is turning. He did. But so he did because he got the he got a uh, inconsequential penalty eventually. Uh, Chris, I think the New Year's show is we will rewrite we'll write the rule book for the fia and we'll just send them the transcript how's that yeah yeah sounds good i mean uh, of course perez got in trouble as well oh yes so he's been called to the stewards furthermore naughty words well the, the clips i heard they didn't sound too bad he was he was saying that the stewarding's a joke and they took that personally and said that his comments amounted to a personal insult and attack and they've given him a, a warning or a reprimand I can't remember what they've given him. It won't be any kind of sporting mm. um, penalty, obviously. But <laughs> you know, it is it is like going up to the referee in a football match and telling him you're an idiot. You don't know what you're doing, right? So you can't do that. You can't do that. Well, you can, no, you can in football. In fo- in soccer, you get away with it completely. In rugby, if you do that to the referee, you get an immediate ten yard penalty, and the the point yeah. of scrimmage or whatever goes back ten yards. And I'm sort of in favour of that. Did um, did Vettel in twenty? 20- 17 or 2019? Oh, 2016. Tell Charlie. Mexico, right? Yeah, it was the Mexican Grand Prix. Tell Charlie to go away, he said. Yeah, he had a message for Charlie. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh, I can't remember what happened with that. Let me Google it. Penalty for that. Uh, The Red Bulls were blocking him, and then he hit one of them and got a penalty for it. So, I, what I, no, but did he get a penalty for then his his tirade over the the comms? I'm for that. In fact, I, I would like to see more transparency in a professional steward's office. So you can kind of hear the decision-making process or have someone from the steward's office just, you know, leave a little voice note. Uh, We're penalising car 62 because of X, Y, and Z. And, you know, just a little bit of an explanation. That would be fine. But also the drivers do need to show the referee respect as well. So um, according to this article from ESPN back in the day, uh, um, Vettel's language was investigated by the FIA, but he was spared punishment after he sought whiting out after the race to <laughs> so apologise before writing a letter to the governing body the following week. Oh, man, he had to write a letter. <laughs> Dear and governing body. still not body. as bad as having to go lines. to a Formula E event. 
You can imagine him at the beginning of The Simpsons. I will not be rude to Charlie. I will not be rude to Charlie. <laughs> Let's dip down into the midfield. <laughs> oh, that's a bit harsh, actually, Matt. I'm, I'm counting McLaren in that in that midfield today. So, okay. um, a bit of a sort of nothingy race from McLaren. They were they were fine. No, whereas I think our expectation Meh. for McLaren has been raised a lot. Perhaps too much. They didn't end the season on a bang. No, they didn't. And here's the thing. And you saw it happen within two or three laps at the start. You just wonder what would have been if Norris had gotten his qualifying act together. And and I could be wrong about this because I no longer have uh, the memory for anything that happens beyond, like, say, 10 minutes ago. But it, <laughs> it's not the first time Norris has had a not great qualifying that's gone on to affect his race. And so I, I do wonder about that a little bit, but they didn't appear to quite have the pace of the Mercedes or the Ferrari today, but they were much closer than they were uh, in Vegas, let's say. So I think it augurs well for their future that they were competitive-ish here, but not clearly on the same level as uh, either of the two top teams, which is also kind of what you would expect. So as much as we don't love Abu Dhabi, and it, we said it's it's fine. It is. I think it's quite representative as a track. Like it's quite a normal yeah. racetrack where you get kind of normal amounts of wear. And I think these are the kind of tracks where typically, even if McLaren have taken a step forward, they won't catch the likes of Ferrari and Mercedes. It's going to take those kind of specialist tracks where you know the, the zero wear, you know that kind of thing. Like something a little bit that puts those teams out of the window to let McLaren in. Yeah, it's just, again, it's the little thing. It's those margins. There's too many slow speed corners just don't help them out. But if there's only one slow corner and everything else is medium or fast, then they're very, very competitive. I mean, Silverstone is a very good track for them. Tracks like that are generally pretty good for them. The question will be, is that a weakness that they can overcome going into next season? And honestly, if you look at where they finished fourth in the constructors, I mean, look at where they finished and look at how much of the season they just utterly mm-hmm, gave up because mm-hmm. they couldn't get their car ready on time. You'd have to feel sort of modestly, modestly excited if you're a McLaren fan, because if they show up with the same kind of car they're, they've finished with next season and they have a full season of development on top of it, well, then they might they might be to the point of genuinely dancing with the big boys again. OK, and this is where this season has made everything difficult to read because McLaren yeah. didn't turn up for the first half. Aston Martin didn't turn up for the second half. Mercedes have been broadly the third fastest car at events, but had teams go above and below them. And Ferrari have turned up sometimes. So it's been really, really difficult to read. But yeah, you're right. McLaren have sneaked into P4. But I don't think they've had a particularly interesting race from a from a chit-chat point of view. But if you look at Aston Martin, Aston Martin could easily have been TP2 in the, in the Constructors' Championship. Fernando Alonso has more than half the points of Mercedes. So if you double Fernando Alonso's points, Aston Martin are P2 in the Championship. Now, that's maths that even I can do. So Aston Martin, even with that massive dip of form... Alonso has sort of single-handedly dragged them. And if he'd have had even a tiny bit of support, they could have had P2, P4 easily or even challenged for, for P2. So whilst Ferrari have got a really evenly matched driver lineup, as have 
McLaren, with Norris probably being the better driver still, Aston Martin don't have a chance in the constructors. And and this is with their allegedly questionable parts on the car being oh, yeah, that's removed yeah, yeah. as well about <laughs> oh, yeah, third of the way point. through the season. I forgot about that. So, yes, yeah, some people allege that all those technical directives were aimed at Aston Martin, who were doing bad things, but we'll never know. Uh, no. Matt, you were shaking your head all the way through that. Yeah. Well, and, and for this exact reason, uh, what what race was it where they suddenly were much slower and then they never really got faster again? I mean, with the best strategy today, where did Alonso actually finish? Seventh. I mean, they, they fell off the truck and they've not gotten back on it yet. Maybe where they did will he finish in Brazil? Semester. Third? Yeah. Yeah. Now, well, but Brazil was full of safety cars and people driving into walls and stuff like this. This Your was a normal race safety with cars, safety Matt. cars and nothing in it. It was the thing that I like about this race is it really was just pure race pace. Yes. The whole yes, I agree. race. You could pass pure race pace. The car is slower than a Mercedes in a straight line. They fix the handling enough so that the drivers can drive it again. But fundamentally, they, they were P2 early on. That technical directive came out, and they've not been anywhere close since. So Very well managed. So, Our so, lawyers so, are happy. So you can draw your own conclusions about who got hurt by that, but it's not who got hurt by it. It's who was able to respond to that with development that, mm. that recaptured that pace. And they've not been able to for the entire rest of the season. And that I would be concerned about as, a, as someone at Aston. I just want to say, though, Fernando Alonso finishing P7 whilst breaking on the straights. So he he wasn't even accelerating most of the time. And he <laughs> oh, still, still managed to finish P7. Before I can now, uh, now say bad things about Alonso, um, can we... So the whole thing is, is Lance just is not good enough. No one's actually said the word, so I'm going to, again, Lance, get out of oh, my grumble, sport. Grumble, grumble, um, grumble, 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 even who someone who is just below Alonso in quality, then you've got a team that's fighting for second, third yep. in the championship. So that's my bit on a Lance. That's my bit on Lance Stroll. In case you missed it, Lance Stroll, get out of my sport. Second of all, um, Alonso breaking on the straight. Now it very much looked like a brake check. However, if you listened to Anthony, Anthony, Anthony Hamilton, not Anthony Hamilton, Anthony Davidson. No, he's too busy talking to Christian Horner, <laughs> Christian about, Horner. <laughs> about seats for next season. If you listened to Anthony Davidson on the Skypad after the race, what you actually see is Alonso fly across the track, sees the DRS detection point, and breaks, expecting Lewis to go flying past. But Lewis wasn't quite close uh, enough. Uh, that's not really the, for Alonso. I, I, it's not a good enough excuse. Yeah. And he could have caused he could have caused an aeroplane crash doing that because yeah. Lewis definitely would not have been expecting it. Um, but that's what he was trying to do. But again, this is people would say the wily old fox. I'd say <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, breaking unexpectedly on a straight with a car close behind you is utterly, utterly obscene. Why was that? Why was that not a penalty? But it's Alonso, isn't it? But he... saying naughty words to the stewards, that's, you can't do that. But you can break in front of a car at the fastest point of a straight. This needs to come under dangerous driving for me because 
you need to have faith at some point that the car in front of you in a race is not something just going <laughs> to yeah, break, gonna break. At 280 uh, kph and uh, and and in the middle of a flat out section right and this is my least favorite thing about DRS because we've seen it before alonso's got previous on this Canada 2013 when he was racing with Lewis they were side by side coming out of the corner that led to the DRS detection line and they're both like trying to mm. back out of the throttle to be the last one across the detection line we've seen it in Jeddah over the last few years as well I absolutely hate it you'll yeah. sit there and say oh well, it's just tactics isn't it it's another thing to define it but it no. looks ridiculous and it's so dangerous we need rid of it yeah that's passionate I like that well, it's interesting to me that in the uh, post-race analysis on F1 TV, both of the drivers uh, were equally um, unhappy with that kind of tactic because what it brings into play is uh, wheels hitting wheels. So when we think about like Mark Webber in Valencia flying through the air, when we think about collisions that are really most dangerous to drivers... It's when rear wheels and front wheels encounter each other and one of the cars gets properly launched with way more momentum than they already possess. Breaking like that, if you don't have a problem, you don't obviously have a problem, is is setting up the kinds of collisions that you really just don't ever, ever want to see. And so I think perhaps due to the tactical nature of it, the stewards were reluctant to act. But I believe that the Formula One Commission will probably have a bit of a discussion about how to prevent that sort of thing mm-hmm. in the future and make Chris. it very clear to the drivers that any sort of any, any sort of tactic like that uh, around DRS detection points will be penalized and should be penalized for the safety of everybody in the sport. I think Alonso over the top of Gutierrez in Australia, another prime example of that as well, when he just misjudges it and then he barrel rolls through the gravel 27 times. This is the kind of thing that will happen if this is allowed to persist. All right. Okay, and let's move down the grid. Okay, well, this is the part of the show where we really focus on Haas and Alfa Romeo. No, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, Alpha Tauri versus Williams. So Alpha Tauri, soon to be Red Bull Light, soon to be, I can't believe it's not Red Bull, soon to be Red Calves, soon to be Baby Bulls, soon to be Bravo Bulls, but Alpha Tauri, the Red Bull B team versus Williams. And Matt's put in the notes in a death match for, for P7. So th- this is an interesting battle, really, because uh, Yuki Tsunoda actually has two-thirds of the points for, for Alpha Tauri and a, a bunch of 11th places and was looking really... Had a great qualifying on Saturday and was looking good for 6th or 7th today. One stop didn't work out. I, mm. I honestly, when, when Ricardo put those performances in earlier in the season, people were raving. No one's raving when Yuki puts in the solid work, which he has done all season. But in fairness, Williams did manage to get seventh in the Constructors' Championship with only one driver. Yeah, so no, that's true. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a really impressive thing for them. No, I, I, I agree with you, Spanners, on, on Yuki. I, this this performance, I do wonder where this um, this quality of car track combo has been. Uh, car track, car driver. Car driver. Yeah, he's not been solidly been consistent. All long. Yeah. Because the car, you no, know, the car was an absolute dog at the start of the season. It was probably the worst on the the grid. But he was pulling eleventh. He was season. getting eleventh. 
it, it was it, it was dragging 11th place finishes out of it. It I was would, the it worst was... car at the start of the year. So yeah, Yuki, oh, no, I'll take that. Yuki was dragging 11th places, 11th places out of the worst car yeah. uh, on the grid. I think it, definitely yeah. at the start of the season, but it is the most developed car of the season, right? So it, it obviously it's got better. They've been fighting for more yeah. and more um, points, but drives like this from Yuki today was just like absolutely stellar. And I want them to put him in the Red Bull alongside Max. He's the leader. Because, yeah, we, he's the leader talking. for that for that yeah, candidate genuinely. for that seat. I know people love Ricardo, but he's not shown any race pace in the very few races he's been able to compete. Um, but uh, his experience, you you go right. It's 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 all or nothing now. Show you're yeah. quicker than Sonoda. Lawson did very well, but you're not going to put him into the Red Bull seat after three or four races. No, but I want Lawson to be in in, in the Willi- seat. In, or, oh yeah, no, it could be. Yeah, and yeah. See that th- that might be why there's a bit of hesitation around that Williams seat and Lawson being very cagey when he was being asked about it as well. And James Vowles was hardly stellar in the in the one sort of interview that I saw when he was asked a series of, of questions about Logan Sargent and said things like, he will always remain a part of our academy. We're not in a position to con- confirm just at this point, but I'm very proud of the steps that he's made. It, it wasn't waving a, a contract in front of his face, Matt. No, well, I mean, okay, so... Uh, backing up real quick, Alpha Tauri, new floor, major, area, major yeah. improvement for them. And this is one of the reasons why is that they have done the job correctly and they've shown up, they've gotten to the end of the year and made their car faster, which is why you see them fighting for these points. Terrible strategy for Sunoda, aggressive two stop, and he might have been able to bend a place or two up the grid, which would have given them seventh place. But as to Sargent, and now maybe this is just something you tell a driver like Logan at the end of the race, but I did go through the radio transcripts and and they said to him at the end, great job holding up Ricardo there. If you hadn't have done that, he might have been in the driver's seat and gotten into the points and sunk us that way. So, you know, maybe they just said it to make him feel good. Or maybe yeah. he really did a good defensive job on Ricardo. We won't know because they didn't show it on TV. But the interesting there was so thing, much they didn't show on TV today. I was so frustrated. I'm sorry. Was, I didn't mean to, to, to sorry, start to a rant. Me. All right, we'll save but it for me, the awards. Let me finish my sergeant point real quick, and then you can yell about it all you like. What I wanted to say is on the radio, they said, you know, oh, we're looking forward to seasons to come. But then when they try and pin vowels down on TV... He says something much more noncommittal. And to me, that suggests that the holdup for Sargent's contract, and I will just say it, they'd be stupid not to keep him on for another season till some of their up-and-coming talent gets a chance to mature in the feeder series, because they have some genuinely fast people there. He's the least expensive option right now, because he knows how everything works. Anybody new is going to break more cars, cost them more money, even if they're faster. It seems like there's probably a disagreement further up the food chain about where that seat is going. And that could be down to the money Sergeant brings to it. Got to bring more money or somebody else worse offering more money and therefore something they have to think about. I'm just going to put that out there and now yell about how bad the TV was. No, I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that for the awards part of the show. So, yeah, you're right. There's um, yeah, there was medium interest for that. But my interest is somewhat curtailed by just how far back. Williams, Alpha Tauri, Haas, and Alpha Romeo are. Like they are so cut adrift from that top six. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, for Williams, you know, they, they're like, oh, we're like Red Bull. You know, we stopped developing quite a while ago and we're throwing all our eggs into the 24 basket. So they that will be an interesting one to watch for them because they've had a lot of the qualities of the Red Bull just without the ability to manage tires or the same amount of downforce. Well, Alfa Romeo played such a small role in this whole season. They've had to make their car look like a Mercedes just to trick people into looking at oh it. Oh my God, right? Chris. That, 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 they tried to dress that up as a feature, not a bug. <laughs> so basically they've got no, had not got the time to change that livery back. Now, to, to wrap the car back up. Yeah. We're, we're running our Vegas livery again for some reason. <laughs> oh, it, it's. It, it's so funny that the, the Haas and the Alfa Romeo, they're just not even on our screens anymore, except for, like, even when Haas get into Q3, they're out of the top 10 yeah, by the end of Yeah, no one's, no one's talking about that as, like, a great success because you know, you knew that Hulkenberg was just going to drop. Mm. They didn't, mm. Don't get me wrong, it's a great qualifying car, but mm. it's it's not a good race car mm. at the moment. And, you, again, you know, they're another team that's running very thin on parts and, the the new parts are not better than the old parts. You've got the drivers disputing, and this is not the first time this has happened for Haas either. You remember, like halfway through the season when they had Grosjean and, and Magnussen, yeah, in in the back in the, the the rich energy days, right? I can't remember what year it was, but you know they had halfway through the season they have one of them just okay, let's go back to the the season beginning car and just see how it goes and it was better and they're having the same problem again now where they're putting new things on the car and the car's not getting any faster yeah the word you're looking for is correlation there is none between their aerodynamic development and their cfd and what happens in the real world and as a result whatever car they show up with whatever results they get in the first four or five races that's basically their entire season right now and until they solve that problem they're stuck in the basement and and that's sad mm. because they started off with so much promise but uh, they've just not been able to manage the regulation changes. Well, i think we could be talking about any one of these bottom four teams so the only one of those bottom four teams that has a chance of going up out of that next season is alpha tower baby bulls can't believe it's not red bull because they'll get they're gonna williams. get no, I, 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 I would, williams i would i would put some nah. money on williams really yeah uh, oh yeah, yeah yeah i would agree i would agree williams next season for me to be eighth ninth or tenth because there's no way they can catch... They're not going to catch the likes of Alpine, Aston Martin, and McLaren. I predict Alpha Tauri will make a step up because they are now being more aligned with the mothership. So that leaves Williams cut adrift. But of the... No, no, no. Of those, the, 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 those four bottom teams, mm. the two that are getting currently getting new investment and have got new investment coming in for next year are Alpha Tauri and Williams. So, whereas, whereas, you know, Alfa Romeo, they're not even they're not even on the grid next year. It's not Alfa Romeo anymore. It's, it's Sauber, Sauber again, right? So they've got a huge title naming sponsor, whatever they call it, right, missing from that uh, now. And they've got to hope they can get an advance on that Audi money. Oh, Audi will be in any minute, and and they'll yes, they're bringing you know rainbows and <laughs> unicorns, and oh, it's gonna be when Audi get here, it's gonna be so good. Oh, it's going to be amazing when Audi get here. It's going to be the best. I hate you so much. <laughs> but not as good as Andretti. Right, yeah. Uh, Matt, finally, general b- before we get to the, the podium, uh, a bit of drama, a bit of drama in the team your favourite driver's in. Gasly does not like in any way being one-upped or losing out to Ocon. Like, you can tell he really, really hates it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I This was... And I noticed this when it happened because you had Gasly ahead 
Ocon caught up to him, and you have the two running line astern. And then here comes Hamilton, passes Ocon, eventually gets up to Gasly, hits Gasly. And Hamilton, this is lap, end of lap 15, immediately pits. And Alpine bring Ocon in behind him instead of pitting Gasly straight away. And it was the oddest decision because as soon as they did that, I'm like, oh, they're covering Hamilton off with Ocon. But they've also just undercut Gasly with Ocon, and he's not going to be happy about that. And boy, you know what? I was completely right. He had several um, yeah. radio rants about this, not, not and, and it's not inappropriate because you're the leading car. You're supposed to get the best strategy. So I thought, well, maybe, maybe they, the strategy they put Ocon on they thought was suboptimal, and they were holding out for Gasly. But I think I know what it really is after rewatching the incident. As soon as you see Hamilton hit Gasly, you see a big chunk of carbon fiber disappear from the diffuser. And I think they wanted to keep him out a few laps to see to see yeah. if it was going to affect the running of the car. And later on in the radio messages, they told Ocon, look, he's losing about three tenths a lap due to damage. And I think at that point, it was just like, cut your losses. He's going to be slower now because he's got damage. Let's try and get Ocon into the points because we can still maybe do that. Although 43 laps, one stop turned out not to be the best strategy either. Well, I'm not sure Gasly was running particularly well before that, Alex. So we didn't do a whose fault is it for this, but it was the, the most innocuous touch between Hamilton and Gasly. Gasly's fault, it, obviously. Well, I know it was sort of Gasly's fault, Alex, but on the other hand, like from a, a Hamilton <laughs> fan point of view, I was like, did you did you have to run into him there? Like, it, <laughs> it, was, it was it was a weird one, but I think he's obviously been caught out. He's yeah. coming in at his trajectory, and all of a sudden, there's a big lock up in front of him. And when somebody locks up in front of you, your eyes or your eyes are drawn to it. And then he's kind of Gasly's kind of stopped, kind of not erratically, but um, has stopped in a weird place and slowed down a lot in a weird place. And Lewis probably just didn't expect him to slow up that much, um, considering he'd locked up. You'd probably expect him to run further on, not stop. So, Do you think, uh, my, my thing was, I think Lewis might have been looking down at the moment Gasly locked up, like changing his dial into the corner and then missed the puff of smoke. So thought he'd just break normally for the corner and then got caught out by the closing speed. I had that thought. I'm, I'm not going to assume Lewis was looking down at a turning, but I don't it's think you're going to be changing stuff I don't think you're going to be changing stuff at a turning point. You change before and just after. I'm not quite certain he'll be mm. changing, looking down at his steering wheel while turning into a corner. It's just there's too many of those incidents. I know we're going back to Hamilton again, but there's just too many. Because like, didn't he hit, also hit Gasly on lap one as well and end up on the wrong side of Perez too? And it's just, oh man. It is. It's, it's just scruffy. But I think a lot of people were locking up into there, Matt. So I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge Gasly too much from our comfy office chairs. All right, let's move on to the podium. It's the end of the season. A season that has gone on. It's been 84 years. It has been, without doubt, the longest feeling season that I can ever remember watching. And it's not helped by all the sprint races some of the weekends were just all together too much. And I think, yeah, the Brazilian Grand Prix was the first time I got to Sunday and I just didn't have that pitter-patter in my heart as the, the lights went out. So I'm really, I'm torn. Was this season too long? Yes. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Or... There's no debate on that, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no debate. <laughs> sort of, right, sort of, but still, 
when it comes to next weekend and there's no F1, I'm still going to go, oh, I wish there was F1 this weekend. So in the olden days when there was only like 12, 16 races or whatever, I think 16 is the most common one I can remember growing up. Like it always felt like an eternity between races and it felt like an eternity of an off season. So in a way, it's my fault for in, invoking this as a teenager. I, I wished this and it has happened. The universe has given me infinite f1 races too much of a good thing it's like a like an 80s errant school child caught smoking my dad has locked me in the broom cupboard with a pack of smokes and said and said don't come out (laughs) until you finish that whole packet the thing is, would we have felt less bored this season or, you know, less irked by Max winning everything if there were only 18 races? If it was over, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. I think that would have, it definitely would have felt less of a sting. So the Verstappen dominance in 2013 in the back two-thirds, that was over short and sharp. How long ago did Verstappen clinch this championship? Was it like eight, oh my God, eight races? Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's <laughs> Eight like a, months ago? I don't know. A huge yeah. chunk of the season. Now, there's all these stats like, oh, Schumacher clinched the championship in July, but then there was only another, you know, six or seven races after that. Mm. Whereas, you know, here, it, it definitely seemed like it dragged on. And at the same time as that, Liberty Media doing their big push of, no, we need more. We need more weekends. We need more mm. race weekends. And, and more of those days need to be competitive, compelling viewing. And this is like an earlier finish than what we've had that like in 2021 we went up to a week before christmas yeah. before the end of the season right so this is this is an early finish yeah that we've got here and i still feel drained and you know yeah. being completely honest i'm to the point where i like i'm i'm looking forward to the off season and also the last six weekends we've had five events and and then yeah. in that there's been two sprint weekends as part of that i think or two or maybe even three and then next season, at the end of the season, it's triple header, week off, and then ends in a, a triple header. So I think you've got Cota, Mexico, Brazil, week off, and then you've got uh, Las Vegas, Qatar, Abu Dhabi. So that is going to be really brutal towards the end of the season as well, Matt. Yeah, and this is my biggest complaint. Not there's so many races, but the, just the, it's like that pizza you get with all the pepperoni on two thirds of the pie. Right. It's just like, could we just distribute it a little bit better so that you're not so that everybody involved in it isn't just being crushed in terms of sleep schedules and weekends taken up with viewing Formula One? You know, it was nice in the old days. You did a race, you had a weekend off. You did a race, you had a weekend off. I wouldn't have minded if that carried on and there was a smaller off season. But when you're doing three in a row and they're in three different time zones, so one of them you're up at three o'clock in the morning, one of them you're up at 10 o'clock at night, and mm. then one of them is like at 11 o'clock in the morning and you only have an hour and a half before you have to have your show. Just ready. move to Europe, Matt. Honestly. It's just, it's, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's a bit, it's a bit nightmarish uh, if for the viewers and for the, the people forced to work on it. And then we lose out because the journalists are tired. We don't. We don't get the same quality of journalism, which was never super high quality. But I, I really do feel like in a lot of ways, it wasn't because some of it is access journalism, Chris, as you well know. There's a limit to what you can say and still retain your press privileges in the paddock. That's that's fairly well known. And that's why you knew F1 had really messed up in Vegas when even the accredited media were turning on them and saying, whoa, this was rubbish. You go, wow, they've all done it. It must be bad. Yeah. Yeah. And and so everyone would benefit if the schedule was slightly more, I'm just going to use the word civilized to mean, you know, spread out and a little less taxing. Mm. Well, 
Ivan. But that said, if you take any given weekend in isolation, I, I'm still glad there was Formula One on that weekend. So I, I'm completely torn because I, I know full well that the season's too big. But I, I just think, Alex, we might have to get out of our heads that a Grand Prix is this kind of once or twice a month special thing. Now it's like football. Football is on literally all the time. It's it's that kind of thing of the problem. The problem with F one for people like us with F one, we're addicted. If it was on every yeah, single weekend, yeah, yeah, we would, yeah, just, we would uh, still watch it yeah. every single weekend. Plug but we in. would bitch and moan and complain about it yeah. that it's on every single weekend. But it's like a drug, and I have to have Formula One. If it's on, I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to not watch it. What if I so miss something? When they talk about so when they talk about the sprint. And I'm not going to go into tirade on the sprint. But when they talk about the sprint bringing in more people, yes, because we're not going to go, oh, I'm not going to watch it because mm. I'm addicted. Yeah. So I'm going to watch it because it's F1 cars on my television. Yeah. But Alex, Alex, for the first time, this, this year is the first time this has ever happened. I got back from events, sat down on a Monday and thought, I'm not going to bother watching the Grand Prix. What? When? This has happened to me a few times. Okay, well, let's kick Matt off. Uh, let's kick a full of times. Let's kick Chris off. That's stupid. I don't want to hear that. Sorry, <laughs> I misfired my angst there. No, I'm not going to not watch a race. It, what, what if it's the best race ever and I miss it? And then everyone else if, will be talking was, about it. If it was, then I would have heard about it and I'll, I will rewatch it. But usually <laughs> I would get back and people would say, oh, that was just news first. And I went, well, I'm, why would I waste an hour of my half? Like, I've just got back from you know wherever it was. And it'll be like three o'clock on a Monday afternoon and I'm not going to bother watching it. Rewatch it. Oh, my God. Right. If I had to miss a Grand Prix, uh, what I would want is I would want I would probably go to Alex and I would say, rate that race out of 10. And if, <laughs> if you if you said nine, I'd be really excited. I'd sit down I'd get my crisps and my popcorn and a taco, get ready to watch it. If he said it's a three, I would wait until like later at night and get in my pajamas and just sort of have it on and second screen on my phone. I'm not going to not watch it. What kind of... What kind of absurdity are you talking not I, I watch it? The oh, minimum offended. service I've done is watched like the 10 minute YouTube highlights no. on, uh, on the F1 account. And this okay. is coming from and somebody. And came on and did a race review on the show? So um, I, I, don't normally, I don't normally say send us hate mail, but if you want to slag Chris off for that, <laughs> feedback at mistapex.net. And I must say, guys, we have had so, so much feedback from you guys over the course of the season. And we, we have a plan, Matt and I, to really get on top of it next season so that we're getting much more of your input. We're definitely going to have some uh, out-and-out call-in shows as well and as and continue, which I think we've enjoyed doing our patron podcast too, which on a Friday before a race, we jump on, me and Matt and whoever we can grab. We have a very casual chat where it's about half F1 and about half uh, us just kind of hanging out. I think they've gone down quite well with our patrons uh, and you'll get an ad-free feed, no ads ever. And if you want to be a patron too, uh, you can get uh, access to our patron Slack forum, which is the nicest place to hang out during an F1 race. So if you would like us to, to, to support us over winter on Patreon, because we do content all the way through winter, we'll have a weekly Sunday show from here until testing, and then we'll get back into the season. It's patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. A big, big thanks to all our patrons. We literally can only do this because of your support. Patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex. And if you don't want to be a patron, but you think we've done a grand job and we've entertained you throughout the course of the year, there is a tip jar in the show notes below. Just click tip jar and uh, everything we get in our tip jar goes towards our 2024 advertising campaign. Right. Let's give out some awards. We're going to start with the bad thing. It's the Missed Apex Award. Oh, no. 
you miss the apex. Let's start with you, Alex Van Jean. Follow Alex on Twitter. He does. Hi. You do the odd banger tweet, as the kids say. I, no cap. I, I had two last week. It always seems to be when I slag off Red Bull, but <laughs> I had two. I had two good ones last yeah. weekend. Um, haven't haven't said my, much my good weekend. ones are always like dad jokes that I. I think oh, I nearly don't post it because I think it's so obvious. But if you look on my feed, there's one with like six and a half thousand likes. I nearly didn't post it because I thought, oh, everyone will make that joke. But it, unfortunately, it just unfortunately it just shows the demographic of people who follow you, really, doesn't <laughs> yeah, exactly. it? It's the dad joke crowd. It's fine. I don't want parent joke crowd. <laughs> you're, um, am- you're amongst friends in that uh, in, go in, f- in that instance. Go and follow Alex. His link is in the show notes below. So it's Alex Van Jean V A N G E E N. Who missed the apex for you? Um, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. No, oh, just for meh. Just, just meh. It's just, it just never sparks. I don't know what they've got to do to it. They tried changing the circuit. It hasn't made a difference. I've never liked this circuit as a as a as a spectacle to watch, which is a shame because in the in the F one games, I enjoy driving it, and I've always, whenever I've driven it, I've always been like, why is the it, racing it should always be, so rubbish? It here? should be good though, shouldn't it? Like if you were doing it on paper and you put all those elements together, you'd go, oh, okay. That's a nice big mix. modern circuit, yeah, yeah. big braking zones, Two big some straights, fast high yeah. speed circuits, it, it, so, uh, high speed corners. It should be good, <laughs> but it never is, and it makes me sad, especially because it's the last race of the season, and the season goes out with a whimper rather than a bang. Yes, and and that happens nearly nearly every season, apart from that season, which we'll never talk about again. Okay, so. Chris Stevens, Chris, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. Chris hey. Stevens, uh, you hey. do lots of commentary, but people should yeah. primarily click the link below to follow you on Twitter so that we can find out the things you do at Chris on Racing, and, yep. the, and you, they can follow your face journey as your face. <laughs> I can see the bones in your face now, Chris. I know, right? Yeah. It's good, isn't it? Have so, you got yeah, an Instagram? Have on... you got an Instagram? Have you been posting? Yeah, topless... I'm racing on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Have you been posting uh, topless progress photos on Instagram? Not topless not ones. Okay. No, I'm not that confident just yet. But um, maybe, maybe give it a couple of months. It's uh, still a thirst trap. Go and follow Chris on his Instagram absolutely. too. Chris, who missed the apex for you? Uh, it's got to be Lewis. Yeah, unfortunately, in this yeah. one, because where was he? Where was he all weekend long? And even even if you say, okay, even if there was some car issue, which he seems to be very confident in, he was saying, we set yeah. up the same, it's just reading different on the readings. Even with that, you know, still still scruffy. They're still, you know, hitting Gasly twice. Um, yeah. Not taking opportunities to overtake Sonoda. Yeah, so you have to say that is a, a valid award. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Matt, do trumpets. Matt, you, people should follow you. I get angry how few people follow Matt Trumpets. At Matt PT. 55. It's really easy. At MattPT55. Go and follow him now. And if he doesn't get a thousand followers by the end of the week from me asking you to go and follow him, ooh, I'll be slightly miffed, but you won't hear about it. Because I'm very, <laughs> I'm very stoic. I keep, I keep myself to myself. Keep yourself to yourself. I like that. Matt, um, who missed the apex for you? Oh, uh, you know, I thought about this and I think I've decided. I think it was the post-race cool down room fishbowl. Oh, I, n- I never like that. I never like the mics on It was much better when they threw them all into a car and one of them had to sit <laughs> in one of the other one's laps. That was way more entertaining <laughs> than this. I've never liked that green room where they're like, the drivers now, they're sort of wise to it. They know it's being broadcast and they feel under pressure to say something. And 
it's like that, you know, you're awkwardly, you know, a lot of dads will know this, when you're awkwardly just put next to your wife's friend's husband and like you two, you're both men. You you talk now and you feel the but, urge to talk. That's how it's like in that green room. They, they, they feel like, oh, I must talk. You just kind of look at each other and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. football? Everyone <laughs> shakes their head. Uh, Formula Fo- One? No, Formula, no. Formula One? Shakes their head. And then if you Food? <laughs> oh, yeah, I like food. I like food too. Okay, yeah. So it's kind of like that where you always see that they, they now feel guilty if they don't talk. So they have to say something and it's the most awkward conversation. So I don't like that in general. My Miss the Apex Award, thank you for leaving this out, uh, was a little bit on the broadcast side today. I, I was just so infuriated. It started off with the replays. And, and I think like replays of the action from all angles is fantastic. Does it have to slavishly always be, I think is it on lap three? They just start the replays and we missed uh, loads of overtaking action. We missed Lando Norris overtaking for second place. That that felt like big news that might it, have been covered. It is Kyle Powers' biggest bugbear yeah. of the entire race weekend yeah. is that three laps in, no matter what is yeah. going on, they go to replays of something we've already seen. Yeah. And it's it's infuriating. But there was loads, and, yet- and we missed so many battles. I think we missed a, a pretty good uh, stroll overtake. We missed Hamilton getting repassed by... by Sen- I think Sonoda. we missed the whole Hamilton-Sonoda uh, battle. So yeah, there was yeah. Just so the, much the gang of youth was yelling about that yeah, at the end yeah. of the race. They're like, show us this. Yeah, Why and, are we watching that? And there was just, there was loads. And when in a race where not a great deal happened and it's universally been panned as not a superbly entertaining race. Yeah, we missed, we missed like a, a bunch of action. That said, you know, I've attempted to, to, to broadcast an iRacing race before. It's very difficult. I know, but I, I'm having my complaint. All right. Now we get to end the show and the season on a positive. The thing of the weekend, or the award that we might start calling the Hit the Apex Award. Although we'll need a new graphic, so I'll have to talk to Uncle Steve about that. But for now, what, what was your thing of the weekend, Alex Van Gene? My thing of the weekend was Max Verstappen. Um, I think he recovered really well from not driving on Saturday morning, on Friday morning, uh, and then struggling with the car all the way into the practice just before qualifying, not knowing where the car was, not looking like they were even going to be challenging for pole, let alone on pole, and then he smashed it. They sorted it all out, they worked on that car, and then he defended from Leclerc really, really well, Made Leclerc, made Leclerc burn out all his battery, sat there at 1.3, 1.4 seconds for a whole bunch of laps, and then was like, all right, I'm going to check out now, <laughs> and was just faultless. And it's just, you, you can always tell how well Max is doing from how little you see of him. And um, yeah, so I think okay. Max did a good job today. Um, so, Vangine... YouTube comments, you, hang on, hang on. YouTube comments, make note of that. We have said good things. About Max Verstappen. That, and we mean them. that Red Bull employee you said that you watched the race with, is he still there with a gun to your head? Is that why you're giving... <laughs> like, blink he twice is, if he, you are he, in trouble. He walked into my house wearing a Red Bull jacket. <laughs> I almost turned him away. And then my niece turned up in wearing a Ferrari, a Ferrari, wearing a Ferrari, jump, Ferrari t-shirt. Do you know what? I blame the parents. I really, I really, really do. And yeah, especially because they spent the whole time talking about being at Ferrari World this time last year. So not this time last year, but what? What turns a person into a Ferrari fan? I, my, I said my son, Charles Leclerc. She's I've, a sixteen-year-old girl, Charles Leclerc. I have. I've said. You know, I've, I've told this story before. My son turned to me and he said, "Dad, do Ferrari fans love their children?" And I, I had to be honest with him. No, son, not not like we do. 
not like we do. Chris Stevens, love you Ferrari fans. Chris Stevens, what was your thing of the weekend? Who hit the apex for you? Oh, well, the people hitting the apex for me right now are the lovely people in our live chat, the patrons who are telling me how wonderful I look at the moment, (laughs) all my my progress that's been happening. They're all saying I look lovely. They're saying I could be George Russell's double. Okay, well, okay, the patrons are dirty liars. They've all been drinking too much. There was one from Mike Stoner at the top of the show as well. He said I should be the new Doctor Who. So I will take that happily. Do you have Uh, a race-related thing of the weekend? I do have a race-related thing. And it is the racing from the first lap of the race between Mm. Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen. That was was the highlight of the race for me, and it was just great to watch. And and no one shoved anyone off track. So that's a nice little bonus. All right. And Matt, do rumpets. What, What hit the apex for you? that car that Max drove. I'm just going to give it sort of the year-long, I cannot believe they built this car under these circumstances and developed it that well. And I specifically want to make mention of everybody on the team that is not named Adrian Newey (laughs) because it was a real team effort. And I know that some of the top brass at Red Bull and their attitude can rub many a fan the incorrect direction, myself included. However, what are you on about? The people working there are clearly cohesive, intelligent, very talented, and they built an amazing car that was a joy to watch race all year long when it was close and when it drove off into the distance. So hats off to them for doing the job and nothing personal. I hope it's not this easy for you next year. And it's not just the people who built and designed the car either. Operationally, they have been slick. The strategy has been on point. The pit stops have been consistently ferocious. And everything you have to say, any repairs that needed doing, have got done. So there's there's really not a chink in that Red Bull armour. They did a 2.7 pit stop for one of the drivers today. Um, and my friend who was with me from Red Bull was very annoyed because it was a slow pit stop, <laughs> oh, which is faster than basically any <laughs> average Mercedes pit stop. <laughs> yeah, by design, by They've, design. Uh, and they have been. It's been phenomenal. And I I want to give a bit of credit to, to their aero team because I found out today that there is, apart from senior management, there is no one in that aero team for that in Red Bull who is over the age of 30. On a race weekend? No, no, no. Ever building, designing the car, working on the working on the aero team. The whole aero team is is young guys, is young guys and girls. Well, that bodes well for a scary and dominating future. Let's hope that at least some of them get pinched by the rest of the field. Uh, look in the show notes. Follow my panel here: Chris Stevens, Alex Van Jean, and Matt. Two rumpets, of course. Follow me, Spanners Ready on Twitter. I'm the best one, so make sure you follow me on Instagram and Facebook and Threads as well thank you very much for spending this season with us if we're worthy of your support patreon.com forward slash missed apex or click the tip jar below if you want to tip your hat and chuck us a coin and say thank you or just hey it was nice hanging out with you for the season but thank you for all that feedback we're going to be producing content every sunday throughout the winter please keep interacting with us send us your dms feedback at missed join us in our slack group join us on the facebook group Spend the winter obsessively looking forward to next season with perhaps false hope, but hope for a competitive 2024. Until we see you next, work hard, be kind and have fun. This 
was Missed Apex Podcast. Double points, comment of the week. Next goal wins. So whoever gets comment of the week here gets two comments of the week. And in fact, I don't know, wins the wins the whole season. It's it's all down. It's all come down to this. It's like all American sports. None of the rest of the season matters. Just this one, this one vital match. Oh, and oops, Rosberg's car failed. Oh, well, it could have been exciting. It could have been. Yeah. <laughs> I remember how we hated that. It was bad. So many things they've gotten wrong over the years. Uh, good times. Not like us. We never make mistakes. Everyone's Ew. stupid but us. That's how, all that, that's how all podcasts work. Oh, by the way, there's a podcast I really like where they, they each bring an interesting fact to, to the podcast. And there's three facts. And they're all. No really, such thing as a fish. Oh, I didn't want to name it. But they, because <laughs> I really, really enjoy it. I love, I, it. I love the, the wide array of topics that they go into. And it's really, really fascinating. And I love listening to it. But one of their topics was about Formula One. And you go, oh, they really don't know about, it was on the last week's episode. And so when it's something that you know a lot about, you go, oh, they don't know a lot about Formula One. What if, what if all the other subjects that I've enjoyed are, are, are equally like that? You know, if, it, whenever anyone strays into your area, then, you know, everything's kind of, you see it a bit harsher. 99% yeah. of matter is empty space. That's just your brain and pants. Okay, Matt, who's the... Cont- <laughs> <laughs> it's late enough. It's oh, late there enough. It is. He, doesn't mind, he doesn't mind taking his shirt off, but he doesn't mind taking his pants Spanners off. Congratulations, Spanners has one. This is coffee Spanners. This is when I've had coffee at, at nine o'clock at night. Okay, come on then. Come on then. Comment of the week. All right, I'm going to start off with a name that I'm not sure how to pronounce, but I'm going to go with Giselle M. New mm. low for post-race sentiment. If we're all wishing for large truck racing to save our souls. Oh, was that pre-show? That's a pre-show <laughs> yeah, that was a little pre-show, but it's a gift to it's our a, listeners. It's a party so. foul. Party foul. We can't do pre-show stuff. Um, uh, Wes, maybe Signs was feeling, per his performance today, kind of drained. Oh, because he got hit by a drain. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. Spanners good, has missed the fact that's a pun. The good thing about that is it, the drain can have two different meanings. So it could be like a drain, like in the ground, or to be depleted of something. So thanks for explaining it. it, Spanners. I definitely didn't understand that because no, he explained because it. Because I you. explained it to you. That's why you get it. So you're welcome. But yeah, um, two meanings of things. Per a Mercedes stripping down Hamilton's car. Rob Asher cleverly points out Botas also gets stripped down fairly regularly. Oh my God. On purpose. Okay. Yeah. He's really leaning into that. Look at my butt. Isn't he? No, I am. <laughs> what was it that uh, Christian said about fins? I don't know. Anyway, um, he, we shall move on. He has a very lovely bottom, I'm sure, on the scale of nice bottoms. But I am often surprised. Botas. I'm surprised by how often I involuntarily have to look at Botas's bottom. And, I, and I'm sure that there's some kind of line being crossed here. 
Still better than that picture of Briatore, if you ask me. But no one mm, did. Or the so Horner we one move on. on the car. Mm. Mm? Or yeah. the Christian Horner posing on the car. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay. Deep breath. <laughs> Moving on. Per your Monty Python imitation, Morgan the Amazon goes, no one expects the Mist Apex Inquisition. Did you like that? My marching up and down the square? I like that. I, a lot mm-hmm. of people like that. Uh, Mike Stoner is in with, I can't believe there's a controversy about something that happened at Abu Dhabi. <laughs> Why? What happened at Abu oh. Dhabi? The, my, yeah, I d- don't know what he means by that. I, I definitely didn't watch a video about that at the beginning of the weekend and turn it off halfway through and then go say to myself, I'm still not over it. I will I can't not afford a new TV, so yeah. I'm cutting it off now. <laughs> I will not um, be publishing my draft tweets from the run up to Abu Dhabi every year, man. Well, I didn't. I never said I never said a word. So as far as anyone knows, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're getting much like this season approaching the end, uh, Patty is in with, to be fair to the stewards, they'd only just woken up when Lando hit Perez. <laughs> Ouch, but valid. Uh, Pete Shilcock, and again, I only include this because it's insulting jeans. He says, I got to say, Alex is holding his wine better. Must be just one bottle. Glass, but all right. <laughs> glass, I know. But only because you already saw Well, you posted and- that picture on Twitter of a glass and the bottle, but I was like, that bottle's worryingly empty. <laughs> much, much to the chagrin of our friend Richard Mulden, it's the only alcohol I had in the house. Um. <laughs> oh, and we'll finish up with Tomato Mateo, who just made it in before the checkered flag. The Red Bull Aero team is so young, they all get peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Okay, good. That could have gone a, that could have gone a different way. No, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to start drinking through these comment of the weeks. Right, go on then, Matt. Who's the, who's the winner? He was last, but I'm going to give him the win. Tomato Mateo. The Red Bull Aero team is so young, they all get peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Oh, my God quadruple points you win the whole season none of the other ones mattered and tomato who tomato 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 i know mateo is that his username tomato tomato right okay why catsup ketchup i don't know you're the winner comment of the week it really has been a lovely lovely season hanging out with you guys we're going to do some kind of season wrap up i'm sure I'm going to bring interesting people who have nothing else to do now the F1 is, season is over to come and chat to you. So please. We need to do another one at your house. That's what we need to do. Oh, yeah. Because that was so much fun and there was no technical issues at all. No. And um, no one. <laughs> we can't even talk about what happened later on. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to do it again at your house. It was really, really fun. Yeah. It was really fun. I think okay. I think the live stream enjoyed it. You're the sticking point because you, you're the one who's got like your, your wife's calendar. She fills up your calendar too quickly. And we, have, we can't find a, a spare day to do it. it, um, it it's because I keep disappearing. I'm now going to be disappearing off for like six weekends this, this, this year to go and be on my own. And I've got to... If I can grab two or three of you, to, or, or even a couple of you, to sit here and we'll have Matt up on, on Zoom. We'll, we'll record a show like that and I'll, I'll have another cracker at the tech stuff because it's quite hard uh, to do it in person. I will do it. Let's do it. I will. I will. Well, thing is, as well, Chris, you're a jobless bum, so you can like do it on a Wednesday. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I have I, no I, I job can, now. Yeah. So yeah, somebody, somebody. I think it was Giselle said, "Chris, don't give up your day job." I went, <laughs> "You're you're four months too late." I already <laughs> did. I, I get that as well, and I'm like, "Oh, it's 1999. I made that ridiculous call." <laughs> no, yeah. no. What did I say? 19, 2019. Jeez. I was going to say you haven't been you haven't See, been that long. 19, this is why you need to follow me. 
Yeah. This is why you need to follow me on social media because mm. I make big announcements like the fact that I just gave up my nice cushy job in a nice office in yeah. Battersea and now I'm going to shout about race cars for a living. Yeah. Good luck. I'm going to give up an engineering job with a pension and I'm going to just yeah. say stuff out loud. Yeah. And not even, I gave up health insurance. Not, not even a skill, not even a skill like you calling a race. I just say what I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think I do? Yeah, and no like, one's figured you out yet, Spanners, yeah, have they? Yeah, and like, just, I, I type things that I reckon, and people get super mad about it. They go, they go, oh, that guy reckons that thing. I reckon a different thing. What a knob. So, there you go. I'm leaving this all in. Anyway, bye, everyone. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.